guys who sit on the porch drinking beers saying, well, if I ran the world, I'd do it this way. Uh-huh. Well, guess what? That's a great starting point. Okay. So, you, you know, anytime that you know something well enough that you think they're doing it the wrong way, it's time for you to do it yourself. Interesting. I li- I li- Welcome to Making in Africa podcast. I'm your host, Todd Tamondo. Today, I have a special guest. She is an author. Her name is Carol. Carol, thanks for doing this with me today. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, uh, let's talk about the secret sauce and what it means to you. Okay. Um, secret sauce is what... You know, basically, McDonald's invented the secret sauce. And, of course, the secret sauce is what made the Big Mac famous worldwide. But most really famous brands have secret sauce. Uh, you know, with Kentucky Fried Chicken, it's there's 11 herbs and spices. Um, you know, it is, it is something that defines you, and it sets you apart from everyone else. And the reason why, one reason why that's important is, is that any marketplace, yeah. Um, if you have a captive audience, then, you know, if, if you're the only person selling light bulbs in a hundred miles, the only person selling gasoline in a hundred miles, you know, you don't really have to set yourself up as special. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you are going to sell to everyone around you just because you're the only game in town. But if you are operating in a marketplace where there's a lot of competition, then you have to set yourself apart. Okay. And, you know, and, and also, you know, I, I think that there are those of us, well, there, there are two kinds of people that you're going to find in the, uh, digital marketplace, the internet, uh, and that's going to be creators and it's going to be the supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if you are, you know, it, it's not as important to have secret sauce if, you know, you're the person who is, uh, you know, like in the gold rush, uh, the people who got rich were often the people selling the tents and the pickaxes to the miners. Yeah. But, you know, um, and that's perfectly legit, um, but if you're a creator, then you have to have a reason why people are going to look for you specifically. And, you know, also a lot of times people have the creative urge, but they don't know what direction to go in. I get you. And. You know, and it's it's like, yeah, I've got a talent, but you know, I could do this, or I could do that. You know, I could do so many, so many people who are creators could actually create, and many, many mediums. Yeah. Uh, you know, so um, I, I want to the 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 thing that will help you figure out what defines you or what you should be creating. Um, and I'm taking this from my personal, I'm going to tell you my personal story. Yeah. And basically 
I got hit by a car in 2001. I got a severe head injury, closed head injury that uh, basically had me flat on my back and unable to work for years. Oh, okay. And, you know, and I still, I still deal with that. Um, you know, uh, one reason why I'm a writer is because I can accommodate, uh, I can accommodate my condition working for myself. Uh, it's the best way for me to be productive. But while I was doing it, the doctors told me that I was going to heal or I wasn't. And that's not really true about brain injuries. But at that time, they said the best thing you can do is keep yourself from going crazy while you heal. And, you know, so I spent a lot of time uh, reading, listening to audiobooks, watching movies. And my favorite were murder mysteries and you know so over a period of years i read or watched hundreds if not thousands of mysteries you know it's my favorite thing you know so you know the the beginning is is whatever it is that you love get to know it intimately oh you know you know, to choose something that you know well, that you really enjoy, uh, and start there. I get you. Uh, but, but then, after I had read and watched so many mysteries, um, you, you know how they say familiarity breeds contempt? Yeah. I- you know, after... After you've read and watched so many, you start making fun of them. You start seeing, oh, my God, you know, this is the moment when, and you know exactly what's going to come next because that's what everybody does. Mm. And, and, and this is, you know, maybe it's just my personality, but, you know, I started taking them apart and thinking, I don't, why do they do it this way? Why don't they do it that way? You know, and, and so... You know, I I had in my head, and I wasn't even thinking about writing a book. I had in my head this list that was going about things that I wanted to see in books that I wasn't seeing and lists of things that I didn't ever want to see in books again, but they kept happening. Yeah. And, you know, and so, you know, it's just like guys who sit on the porch drinking beers, saying, well, if I ran the world, I'd do it this way. Uh-huh. Well, guess what? That's a great starting point. Okay. So, you, you know, anytime that you know something well enough that you think they're doing it the wrong way, it's time for you to do it yourself. Interesting. I, li- I like your take on that. So how many books have you written and when did you start uh, self-publishing as an author? Well, um, I'm ri- currently writing my seventh book. Nice. And, um, I started, I started writing my first book in 2010. I went straight to self-publishing in 2011. Uh, you know, when I, when that book was ready to go, um, you know, my mother read it. She loved it. She said, oh, go get it. I mean, you know, and it's not just like everybody's mom. She used to be an editor for newspapers, and she's like, you got to get an agent for this. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And 
One reason is that I just didn't have the bandwidth to deal with everything that goes along with that. But a big reason was that as an independent author, I knew that the only way that I would retain creative control over the book, the only way that it would hit the market the way that I wanted it to be was if I did it myself. Um, you know, people don't realize, they think, oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to submit a book to a publishing house and they're going to love it and they're going to put it out there. And it's like, well, maybe they'll do that, but you're going to pass through several layers. And if you do make it to the, to the marketplace, Uh somebody every step of the way is going to have their spin on what should or should not be in that book. Okay. How long it should be, um, you know, how many characters it should have, uh, whether your killer really should be a blonde woman or should it be, you know, some, uh, you know, somebody of a different race, you know, you know, and it's not your book anymore. I get you. Uh, so, so they're going to take out the originality from your book. And to you as a writer, as an author, it doesn't make sense because at the end of the day, it kills your creativity. Because somebody well, else is now telling you what to do with your creativity. Well, there's that. And, and the other thing is, is, is that, you know, the publishing houses have all become conglomerates. Yeah. And they're massive. They're huge, massive machines they have to feed a lot of people and to feed all those people they have to sell a ton of books and so that means they have to make that book acceptable to the widest possible audience oh, okay and that means killing things that Killing all the things that people could object to, uh, fitting it into a mold of something that they know that already sells, um, you know, and it does. It, it, it's a creativity killer. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting because you look at it's some of the biggest hits that are happening, and they start out as self-published. Okay. Um, you know, and uh, like The Martian was a huge movie. Uh-huh. Uh, that was self-published. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, whether you like the book or you don't, uh, that was a publishing phenomena. And guess what? That was self-published. Oh. Um, you know, uh, E.L. James actually did a number of things that uh, self-publishers should do in order to uh, be successful. But her level of success was lucky uh-huh. just you know i mean there's always some luck involved but she did some very smart things um you know so um so anyway i went i went straight to self-publishing um and you know that was in during the middle of the Kindle gold rush i was able to put the book up for sale uh with a financial investment of exactly zero dollars. Nice. And for those that don't understand the Kindle God Rush, do you mind explaining it to the people? Okay, sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, back, back around 2009, 2010, when Kindles first became available, 
your traditional publishers really did not want to embrace digital technology. The publishing houses still suffer from uh, living in the dinosaur age when it comes to publishing. I mean, they still use a sales model that they created uh, 80 years ago. Yeah. Um, and they, when, when it, you know, if you, if you sold a book to a publisher, they would buy the digital rights, but whether they would actually make a digital ebook was a lot of publishers were buying the rights and not doing anything with them. Uh, you know, so if you were an author, you couldn't get your book into that audience if you wanted to, because somebody else owned it. Oh, okay. Um, you know, and when they did make those ebook versions, they were pricing them like twice what people expected to pay for paperbacks. And, you know, people aren't stupid. Uh -huh. They know that paper and ink and shipping and all these costs go into making a physical book. And they know that the actual overhead for making a digital copy of something is pennies. Uh -huh. And people just were not willing to spend $14, $15 for an ebook. Oh. And, you know, and so you've got Amazon and Amazon, they, um, they had these Kindles. They wanted to sell the Kindles. People weren't going to buy them if they couldn't get content. So they opened it up so anybody could upload content to be available for sale through the Amazon store. Uh, and so, you know, and this was, you know, nine, ten years ago. And most of your, most of your traditionally published authors, people who wanted to be traditionally published, they saw this as van publishing. They... You know, they would not touch it because they felt it would ruin their chances of ever being picked up by a legitimate publishing house. And but you had, you know, retirees, people that said, gee, I always wanted to write a book. Oh, look, I can throw it up on Kindle. Yeah. And in the early days, uh, and, you know, I was part of those early days. You had people that like they they didn't care about the publishing community. They didn't care about the recognition, you know, they didn't care about their reputation and they said, or else they had been treated badly by the publishing industry and they knew better than to think it was, you know, a great way to go. Um, which is a whole other story, but they were throwing books up on Kindle and they were pricing them at a price point that made it a no-brainer for somebody to pick up. And so you suddenly had people that were selling full-length ebooks for 99 cents or $1.99 or $2.99 instead of the 14 or $15 that traditionally traditional publishers that were demanding for ebooks. And you know and People who had the e-readers, a lot of them, they just want something to read, you know? I mean, oh. you know, some people, and I'm one of them, if you stick a cereal box in front of me, I'm going to read the back of it. <laughs> okay. You know? Yeah. And and so, um, 
there were people that were making a million dollars selling 99 cent ebooks. Uh, you know, and some of these ebooks uh, had homemade covers. You know, my first covers were covers that I made myself. Um, you know, some of them had uh, really, they weren't proofread very well. Uh, they weren't edited, but they were good, fun stories, and people didn't mind have you know it's like you get you get used to getting typos in text messages this is the digital medium and people were w more willing to accept uh you know typographical errors in ebooks than they would in a regular book and um you know all of a sudden people started making money uh you know now that was we're, we're now like Two or three generations away from that. Oh, you know. So what? I do mean, you, what do you think is the new thing now? Since we're two, 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 three years away from the gold rush, is there a new thing that you're seeing coming up that that that, that we might need to be on? If I'm a self-publishing author, that I might need to pay attention to. Well, um, first off, uh. You need to think about marketing ahead of time, and marketing is, again, its own thing. Okay. Um, people are learning to, probably the most significant thing that people do is uh, authors are learning to start their newsletters even before they get their first book out. Hmm. Um, you know, that's been the single biggest piece of wisdom that uh, has come down the come down that is evergreen it will always be true that the newsletter is going to be very important um but profession having now is it you know you have people who have always had aspirations as novelists you know have suddenly saw all this money that the amateurs were making and they've jumped on they've jumped on the bandwagon so professional standards are important oh, okay. um you know so you know even if you cannot pay for editing and proofreading you still need to find people to put eyes on these things and and you still need to be very um you have to be much much more critical about your editing and um you know creating a a, a nice product oh. uh you know now there are more software tools out there available to help an author put out that professional product, things that we didn't have back in 2010. You know, an ebook is essentially a, a web page. Yeah. One big long web page. And the, my first two books, I created them by hand coding HTML. Hmm. Now, you know, and, and that would take me a week yeah, yeah. to do that. Um, I now use a software called Vellum that uh, puts out an industry standard ebook formatting that's compatible with all of the different platforms where you can sell ebooks. And uh, you can simultaneously format for print. And about five or six different platforms, you press once you've once you've finished making all your decisions, 
you press one button and it creates all those different files for you. Nice. It is. And, 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 you know, if you have a simple book and you know what your settings are going to be, you can do it in less than an hour. That's interesting. So I guess technology has played a big role in making it easy for self-publishing authors now. Well, there's, there's, there's cottage industries that are popping up to help a self-published author do what they need to do. Oh. Uh, and so Vellum, Vellum is like one example of that. Oh, okay. Um, you know, there, there's like a place called Bookbrush where if you need to make the graphics, uh, you know, to go along with your advertising, it's a great place to do that. Um, you know, it costs, but not that much. Uh, they've got a place called Book Funnel that if you want to give away samples of your books for advanced reader copies, beta readers, or, or promotions, free promotions, that you can upload your book to them, and they will walk anybody through, um, they, they test out their, their download system on all of the different devices, you know? You know, so, you know, they they know that they've got a seamless way for somebody to download your book onto their device, whatever it is. And if for some reason somebody has a problem, you can contact their customer support and that person will walk your recipient through their process to make sure that they get that book loaded properly, which, you know, with all the different devices and all of technically challenge people that are out there, you know, somebody trying to sideload sideload an ebook onto their Kindle, you know, it's like it is a godsend to someone like me to not have to walk that person through it. Um, Especially if they have a device that I'm not familiar with. Um, You know, so many, so many, there are just so many different ways uh there's so many different tools that are available for authors now that have popped up as a result of this boom in self-publishing uh organizations um you know the one of the reasons why people make it is that there is in the the digital economy, there is more of a sense of a rising tide lifts all boats. And so, you know, when you were trying to get a book published through a traditional publishing house, it's like you never knew whether you were getting a good deal or not. You never, you you know, you didn't even know what your own royalties were going to be. Somebody cut you a check and it was a big mystery where that came from. Um, and with self-publishing, there are people find a network, they share information, they share what works, they, they share, uh, you know, what advertising venues are working for them, they share what tools they're using, they share what's a waste of money, what's not a waste of money. Um, and, you know, and... Literally, those types of relationships have lifted, um, I, can, I can think of a couple of people that were, you know, going broke and lost their jobs and 
with help from friends in their group that they just um, suddenly they were having ten thousand dollar months. Oh wow! Um, now, now the the market has gotten a lot more competitive. Yeah. Um, you know, there are different strategies that people are using to try to get ahead. Mm. Um, there, there is so much information that's coming through. It's kind of like a digital fire hose. And one of the most critical things to keep in mind is to kind of pick a strategy and stick with it long enough to see if it pays off or not. I get you. Um, uh, so, so you know, Carol, so thanks for doing with me uh, this today. I believe we should cut it off right now, and then uh, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll take it off some other time. Hi, this is Todd Tomondo. I understand that entrepreneurship can be difficult and stressful sometimes. I decided to make it less stressful and less complicated by creating different courses that can help you succeed in business. In the courses, we discuss topics such as raising money for your first business, finding mentors, how to overcome rejection in business, how to use social media to find business partners and customers and other people that can help your business. We discuss a lot of important entrepreneurship topics. The link to the courses is available in each and every podcast description. I hope my courses will be helpful and I good luck in all your business endeavors.